He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's, uh, what today? What's today? Tuesday? Today's no, Wednesday. 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 I don't know. Lydia is back. Whoa. That's right. She's back. Yeah. And Peter King is and, here, so it has to be Peter Monday King or Wednesday. Here. I brought the yeah. sunshine. And uh, we have a common sense Democrat in the studio. We have uh, Judge uh, uh, Richard Weinberg. Uh, two common sense Republicans. See, they come to work on a Wednesday, but Friday, I never, I didn't get any Republicans on a Friday. So we have uh, Peter King, Congressman, and the Chief, Chief of Staff, How Rudy Giuliani. And we got Tony Carbonetti, and this is a TriCast uh, broadcasting on WABC Radio 770 and on 970 AM, The Answer, and on WLIR. And we're the number one station under Nielsen, just on WABC alone in WLIR, not counting 970 WABC. Could you imagine wow. how high up we are in the totem pole? <laughs> Lydia, we have a great show today. Tell us what we have. Absolutely. Momentarily, we'll be speaking with uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. He'll be talking to us about the federal charges regarding the subway suspect. Uh, Paul Giacomo, he's the head of the Detectives Union here in the N- NYPD. Then we'll speak to a John J. Professor, Joe Jackalone, John Solomon, intrepid investigative reporter, and then Dr. Siegel talking to him again about COVID. It looks like it's coming again. So yeah. on the line right now, we got Judge Napolitano. Hello, Judge. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. Good to be with you guys. Judge, there's so many things to talk about, uh, but I have one pet peeve of what's going on in Florida on this uh, Disney World thing about this, this, that lady that's the head of diversity. And, you know, I, gay, lesbian, uh, whatever, transsexuals, doesn't bother me. But this head of diversity for um, Disney. Disney World, she takes her five-year-old and her six-year-old, I think. Mm-hmm. Lydia? Yeah, they're young. And, 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 and she convinces the five-year-old and six-year-old that one is a transgender and the other one is a pangender, which I don't know what that is. I know, I know transgender. And, but does the, a mother have the right to do that to a five-year-old? That, as Lydia would say, my kid doesn't even know how to wipe her butt properly at this point. And never mind talk to her about sex, but also about teachers if they're trying to indoctrinate. Is there any kind of legal recourse parents can take to stop schools, stop teachers, stop people from trying to groom our children and sexualize them? I just want to know first that can a a mother do that to a five year old child? Right. The question is is that child abuse? the, the, The short answer is no. It can't legally be done. And yes, it is a form of child abuse because the child has not yet reached the age of reason. And therefore, the child is totally and and utterly susceptible to the suggestions of the mother. She should probably leave Florida and move to New Jersey because in New Jersey, second graders are required to be taught this nonsense. Thanks to Governor Murphy. It's utterly despicable. That the, that the government schools are going to tell babies about changing their gender. It's going to destroy a generation of kids. What is the age of reason? I, I like that, uh, that, that is term. It, is it 10, 12, 14? Is it a legal definition? Well, you know, it's, 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 that, that's, a, that's a great question. It, it's not 18. 
because that's the age of, of adulthood. It's somewhere about 10 or 12 where you generally know the difference between right and wrong, and you generally understand what it takes to make something right or wrong. But whatever it is, and quite frankly, I know of no case that defines it precisely, but it's in that range. It's certainly not in the five- or six-year-old. What Governor DeSantis has done in Florida, in my opinion, which is 180 degrees from what Governor Murphy is doing in New Jersey, Governor DeSantis is protecting children and protecting the rights of parents. Now, if the parents are as crazy as Governor Murphy, then the children need to be protected from their parents, and that's the duty of the state. I mean, to, to me, I agree. I, like I said to you, I have zero prejudice in, in gays, lesbians. To, you know, adults, have they, they can do whatever the heck they want. But, you know, uh, but five-year-olds? I mean, it was just, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Now, now, John, I don't know what pansexual is either. I mean, if, if, does anybody I, know I, what pan- it, it means? You don't sexual? you fall in love with the person and not their gender. Oh, mm-hmm. is that in relation to Peter Pan? Yes, pan really. Right. Now, what, I don't know. What, I have no idea. What, they just call uh, it pansexual. What parent in their right mind would discuss that with a five year old? No, and no, what no. parent in their right mind would want a government school I teacher spoke, discussing that with their five? I would like to have me and Judge Weinberg. Discussed it with the Florida Attorney General on uh, Friday. It was, and uh, you know, don't forget the uh, Disney World is a country in itself. Mm-hmm. That's right. They have Judge. It's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. So what you have in Florida, as, as you well know, is they have jurisdiction over all that territory in the, in the Disney property, over the health care and as, over the police powers. And so DeSantis. I did, know, I did not know that Disney has police powers, but whatever they have, they have to they have to comply with the laws of the state. No, and, no, and, I don't know. I well, they're like an Indian tribe. It's a sovereign territory. I think. It's a sovereign. It's kind of like the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Whatever the mouse wants in Orlando, the well, mouse gets. It can't be a. So, it can't be a sovereign. No, it's not. So no, I'm only joking. The, but that's what happens. Whatever the mouse Giuliani wants, the mouse long. gets. That's what happens. You're no. not even allowed to you say at the, the theme situation park. Is the situation is so crazy. Disney is so powerful and so off the wall that when you say it's a sovereign territory and say it as a joke, it's believable. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But the, the other thing that's terrible about what Disney is doing is that same woman that John Cashman just alluded to. She's in charge of the programming, and she's bragging that 50 percent of the programming will have sexual identification programming. I mean, why would you want to do that? Is it Disney? No, of the movie. No, in no, the, the movies, movies, they want LGBTQ representation. Yeah. No, no, not, not Disney wow. World. The actual movies. product, the mm. movies. Right, and they've prohibited them at the theme park from saying ladies and gentlemen, prince and princesses. Right, now well, it's just that, that 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 is all wrong. Yeah. But but you have the right not to go to Disney, and you have the right not to watch their movies. Let's but move if on. You are, if you are a parent in New Jersey and your kids are between age five and seven and you can't afford a private school, which is most people, you have, do not have the right to interfere in this Governor Murphy nonsense about you can change your gender, you can block your puberty. This is outrageous that the state should be interfering in the parent child relationship like that. We, we I can't all wait agree. for the first lawsuit to be filed. We all agree. I understand 
uh, that you have five congressional elections coming up in New Jersey. You're a New Jersey guy. Is the New Jersey people mad as hell yet? I think there is still deep, profound anger at the way Governor Murphy uh, treated everyone during the pandemic. You know, he he thought that the Democrats will dump Joe Biden. They may do that anyway, uh, and that he'd be a leading candidate for the Democratic nomination. And his, his the first box uh, the, that he wanted to check was a landslide victory last November. Well, he won by the skin of his teeth. They didn't even know that he won until a week later. Uh, because many conservative Democrats, typical blue-collar Catholic uh, Democrats, were outraged at the way he treated people by shutting down businesses and demanding masks and shutting down uh, Catholic churches. There is a bishop in northern New Jersey who agrees with everything that the six or seven of us have just been saying. He ordered his churches, Catholic churches, open. Murphy sent five state troopers to say to him, your excellency, if those churches are not closed tomorrow, we have orders to arrest you. How this many congressional seats are coming up in uh, in New Jersey? That, well, we have we have we have eleven, and the incumbents will win in all of them, with the possible exception of Malinowski, a, a, a liberal Democrat from Somerset County, against Tom Kane Jr., who's the son of the former governor. Now, there's a contested primary there, but Tom Kane Jr. is the uh, the organization uh, candidate. This will be the second time he's running against Malinowski. He obviously lost uh, last time. Well, we got an expression for the people in New Jersey. What's the expression? People, we have an expression for the people in New Jersey. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I think the people in New Jersey, when they go voting, remember what Washington is doing to us, and... uh, you know, let's make a change. And speaking of legislators, I just wanted to switch topics. The subway attack suspect, uh, Frank James, he's currently, le- as we speak, he's leaving the precinct, the police precinct, to be transported to federal custody. It's very interesting that now he's being prosecuted under federal statutes. Is that because there was concern that even though he shot 10 people, there could be some sort of leniency by the district attorney here in New York City? Absolutely not. It's just the feds wanted to take credit for the good, hard, decent work that the NYPD did. It's reprehensible that this guy's being tried for an act of terrorism. He should be tried for good old-fashioned attempted murder and be given a life sentence for each one of those people that he shot. And if somehow he survives those 16 life sentences, then the feds could have him. Hey, Judge, this is... Go ahead. This is Pete King, your old comrade from Notre Dame Law School. Oh, so, uh, my old comrade from the University of Notre Dame. Congressman, it's a pleasure to hear your voice. You, me, and Amy Coney Barrett, she was smarter than me, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, on this thing, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is an attempt by the feds to take the case, and I would much rather have him tried, uh, as you said, on basic attempted murder cases. I don't know if a terrorism case would stand up. I don't know if this meets any federal definition of terrorism. It would be harder to prove. It can get dragged out. And with the right jury, with, he could almost get acquitted. With is he all really going to trial? And all that hate? That's, that's a terrorism. He's basically. mentally ill. He's not going to trial. Yeah. They're, they're going to declare no, no, him. They're no, shipping no, him no, to no, a facility somewhere. I, I, I would hope so, but I, I think this would be well, tough to is, prove under federal terrorism statute. He is mentally ill. The federal terrorism statute would require the government to prove that he was trying to stop the train, not trying to kill the people. How the hell are they going to prove that? The state case is a lot easier to prove. <laughs> 
It makes more sense to the public. The public can see that justice is being done. The NYPD will be rewarded for the unbelievable work that they did. And instead of the feds taking the credit and the glory and trying him for some esoteric crime that goes in one ear and out the other. Judge, are there any other crimes he can be charged under the federal statutes? Because Congressman the King only and one, I... The only one that I can think right. of is attempting to stop or disable an instrument of mass transit. But I don't know what evidence there is that he tried to stop. Yeah, because Peter and I were trying to figure that out. Him. We couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I thank you yeah. so much for Campbell. Also, by the way, Judge, I think you'll agree that I thought uh, Commissioner uh, Keyshawn Sewell did a great job, especially contrasted to uh, Governor Hochul yesterday when oh. they had the news conference. I think she was amazing. But why is nobody talking Hochul, about the Hochul fact that this guy... Hates white people. He was a fan of Black Lives Matter. He he talked about Malcolm X. He was he he was fancied Black Liberation Army. And he was all right, on. All right, let's and, move on. In twenty nineteen, he was, since twenty nineteen, he was on the FBI terror watch list. Judge Napolitano, thank you for so much for coming on. We we're oh, getting a signal a, a, from the control booth that we have some breaking news from uh, Paul DiGiacomo, who's uh, the head of the detectives uh, union. Detectives union. Great talking thank, to you, Judge. Thank you, Judge. God, God bless the detectives that caught we'll this talk, guy. Thank and we'll you. talk to you soon. And Andrew, go Irish. Yes, there you go. Breaking news, WABC. And that breaking news from right here in New York City, the Brooklyn subway attacker, this is a suspect. He's under arrest right now, thank God, due to great detective work. Some tipsters on the line with us right now is the head of detectives endowment association president, Paul Giacomo. Uh, sir, what exclusive information do you have for us? I know a lot of work went into getting this guy finally off the streets. Well, there were hundreds and hundreds of detectives uh, really out there putting their lives on the line and gathering information and intelligence to help apprehend this individual. And through their efforts, uh, this individual was apprehended today uh, by a detective uh, in the confines of the ninth precinct. And the ninth precinct is right there on the Lower East Side, right? He was he was spotted by somebody going out of a McDonald's, and then they busted him right there around St. Mark's Place, correct? Yeah, First Street and St. Mark's Place is where he was apprehended. Yes. Uh, Paul DiGiacomo, uh, I understand the NYPD arrested him, but uh, I hope they set a bail and just uh, don't let him go. I mean, this is uh, quasi-terrorism. Being quasi-terrorism... Can we turn it over to the FBI under federal laws to make sure he goes to jail forever? Well, uh, based on the information that's uh, being put out over the uh, media, uh, they are going to charge him federally in the Eastern District, uh, which will have uh, much more consequences than if if it was a state uh, prosecution. Now, Detective Gia Giacomo, this guy, he's been on the radar of federal authorities since uh, 2019. He has some disturbing YouTube videos, and one of the videos he kind of blast Mayor Adams, and as a result, Mayor Adams had to beef up his security, and he said Mm -hmm. that he wasn't afraid to commit a crime on the subway because nobody was going to do anything about it anyway. What do you think about that? Well, this is a big problem. Ever since uh, bail reform laws were enacted, uh, crime has risen to an all-time high. Uh, Violence and shootings at an all-time high, and uh, the criminal element on the street, they know there are no consequences. Paul, Paul DiGiacomo, I, I keep asking people, I said, these state senators, these state assembly people, that, that, that uh, why are they not protecting 8.5 million New Yorkers, but protecting 
3,000 criminals that we talked about. The same 3,000 criminals with the violent crimes. Violent crimes. Well, it's the only ones we're interested in. And, and, well, and nobody can understand why. Well, that's why the Detectives Endowment Association is calling on Governor Hochul to declare a war on illegal guns. Just like there's a special state prosecutor for narcotics, there should be a special state firearms prosecutor just to concentrate on gun-related violence and gun-related crimes. Well, it used to be that you, you uh, arrest a person with an illegal gun, he goes to jail for a year, minimum. And, and, well, and now uh, the commissioner uh, uh, of the NYPD has said that they, gave, they arrested 6,600 people and were given the desk appearance tickets, and of the 6,600 people, only 200 people showed up in court. Yeah, since bail reform was enacted, uh, the, the NYPD has taken over 10,000 guns off the street. We've saved a tremendous amount of lives by taking the amount of guns off the street that we did. And shootings are still up 86%. And this is all because of the bail reform laws and the message being sent by most of our political officials. Not all, most. And uh, last night, too, in the Bronx, oh, thank God, the all 10 people that were shot on the subway, they are expected to survive. But last night in the Bronx, a 22-year-old woman was just sitting in the car when she was hit by a stray bullet. There was another shootout on the street. I mean, this re- this reminds me of that 11-month-old that was shot in the face uh, in the Bronx. And then also in Brooklyn, we had that 12-year-old boy who was shot in the head. How many more black and brown people have to get shot by clearly, uh, uh, you know, criminals with repeat offenses before our legislators will take bail reform seriously and put these people behind bars? They should stop worrying about the amount of criminals in jail and start worrying about the amount of victims in our morgues and in our cemeteries. Well, now I'll tell you, when, I, when one of the uh, ladies uh, that uh, was pro-bail reform in Albany, said to me, oh, there was two people with backpacks that that that, that were stuck in um, Rikers Island for a year. Khalif Browder, right. And, and then what did we say to her, Lydia? We said, how about the 25 kids that were shot dead that are not going to have a, a life for themselves? And they want to separate, maybe you can explain Detective Gia Giacomo, they want to separate, say, gun violence from bail reform, but they're one and the same. Can you explain to us how repeat offenders, people, this lawlessness has emboldened these gangsters to to continue their crime wave. Well, part of the uh, bail reform was they raised the, raise the age, and that is not working. Many of these uh, shootings are committed by uh, younger teenagers, and uh, they don't face the same consequences uh, as they would as if they were charged with an adult. And a lot of times uh, these are tried in, in family court, and the judges don't have the ability to see the prior history of these individuals. Have you heard much about, uh, I know they're still trying to work out uh, the bail bond law. They, may, they agreed on a couple of changes, but it's not finalized yet. What have you heard? Well, you know, uh, the changes that they want, want to make are not going to make any difference at all because it's still not giving judges uh, the discretion to keep repeat violent offenders and recidivists in jail. And uh, that's a major, a major problem. And the discovery laws uh, does not protect the identity of victims or witnesses. And it's just not going to work. It's just putting a Band-Aid 
on, on the wound. And uh, I, I guarantee you, like I told these elected officials two years ago when they wanted to enact bail reform, it wasn't going to work. This is not going to work. Uh, last question, because we're running out of time. Uh, I understand the, uh, uh, your Detectives Endowment Association has called upon Governor Hochul to have a special prosecutor for guns. If the local That's prosecutors correct. are not going to do their job, we need a special prosecutor. That's right. Absolutely. There should be a special state prosecutor for firearms, and it should consist of, uh, you know, like a mini federal task force with the NYPD, ATF, Drug Enforcement, State Police, Port Authority Police, M- MTA Police, Homeland Security, Parole, FBI, and uh, do these mini task forces throughout the whole city, and uh, we'll be able to get a, uh, a hold on this violence. We agree 110%. If we don't save this city this November, we're going to lose the city uh uh, Mr. Giacomo. I agree 100%, John. Well, thank you for everything you do. We stand side by side. We, we all stand side by side with you and the NYPD to bring this city back because we love the city and we're not going to lose this city to a bunch of uh, socialist, uh, woke culture, whatever you want to call them. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Well, that, that, was, that was interesting. Uh, he wants to have the governor appoint a special prosecutor uh, against uh, uh, violent crimes using guns. I mean, uh, I'm the only, uh, well, judge, you're a lawyer. Peter King, you're a lawyer. Tell us, is is that doable? Yeah, uh, that was done in the Bronx several years ago with District Attorney Johnson, I believe, from Pataki. Governor Pataki. Governor Pataki took him off uh, certain cases because of the positions he's taken. But that raises they refuse a, to prosecute. Well, but that's what you gentlemen just said. It's very interesting. The question becomes, you have to make a determination as the governor that somebody's failing to do their job, and then you then appoint a special right. prosecutor, or do you have an inherent right as the governor by executive <clears throat> well, order just to appoint somebody? Well, let me tell you somebody? something. This, this November mm-hmm. is the day. If, we, if Kathy Hochul, Governor Hochul, which I respect, and she's a tough Irish girl, if she doesn't make sure New Yorkers are safe, people are as mad as hell, and they're not going to take yeah, it. But, John, uh, you know, we keep talking about November, and I want to stress to you, the primaries in June are just as important, well, if not more it, important. It, it, the primaries in June, maybe August. We'll see what happens. Right. Well, you're right about We could talk about that, too. But the point is the <clears> primaries <throat> are very important because they have to stop the left-wingers from winning the Democratic primaries yeah. for the legislature and Congress. And, and I was not impressed yesterday by the outrage she was showing. Really? She just found out there's gun violence in New York? She had the, <coughs> ha, we, This had to happen before oh, she realized it's it? It's the fault of the guns. The guns shot themselves. Yes. All right. Lydia? Well, maybe if they weren't so lenient, this guy was charged with a felony. He wouldn't have been able to buy a gun. How about that? When he bought it That's in Ohio. So, so, okay. Well, we got a great, still got a great show coming up. We're going to speak to a John Jay professor, talk more about this. Joe Jackalone, John Solomon, and then Dr. Siegel. Keep it right here. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. We're still talking about this subway shooting. It's just horrific. Yeah. Thank God. 
those 10 people will survive. Almost 30 people were hurt. On the line with us right now, we have Joe Jackalone. He is a retired NYPD detective sergeant. He's held many prestigious positions during his more than 20-year career, and now he's a professor at John Jay Criminal Justice. Uh, How are you, sir? Good evening. How are you? Great. Uh, Thank God they got this guy. Uh, great detective work, clearly, and you know, but we just kind of were 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 concerned about that the cameras were down and how he was able to kind of hide in plain sight, go down to the subways with this big bag of explosives. Can you tell us more? Well, certainly, it definitely opens up a lot of people's eyes about how vulnerable the subways are, and it's it's an absolute disgrace that the the not only one station but three other stations along the route that he took that the surveillance cameras weren't working. But I guarantee you the red light cameras are working and the speed cameras are working just fine. (laughs) But, you know, this is something that needs to have been addressed immediately because we can't have that kind of, um, you know, thing happening. I mean, people expect to feel safe when they go into the subways. The cameras are part of that. And if they believe now that there's, there's lots of crime in the subway and lots of violence and now the cameras don't work on top of it, we have a bigger problem than we've had even just a few days before. Joe Jackal, and this is former Congressman Pete King. First of all, I want to thank you for your years of service. But you mentioned the subways. I mean, when I was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, without giving things away, I think the subway is the most dangerous and the most vulnerable, even if you have top security. I think there's a thousand entrances and exits on the system. And, you, can, you know, the, the damage, the carnage you can cause in a subway system is incredible. We can't afford to let anything like cameras not work. I think... What was started, for instance, under uh, Ray Kelly of actually having inspections of people going and random inspections because they we are so vulnerable there. And uh, the camera's not working. It's, to me, absolutely indefensible. Well, and, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're right, Congressman. And the issue is that it is a soft target. And now you've only seen what could happen with somebody is planning on doing something. Glad that he failed in what he really wanted to do. But you just can't afford to have a copycat or somebody else taking a look at this and saying, hey, how can I improve on this? Well, the gun jammed. I mean, so many more people could have been killed. The gun jammed. Uh, We we got lucky. Uh, Joe, it's Tony Carbonetti. I I think the other thing we should all talk about and what the congressman is saying is this is a real target. The New York subway system is a real target. Yes. And we should have to go back to the days where a guy carrying a couple of shopping bags, a homeless looking guy actually raises a flag. He doesn't – no one looked twice at him because there's now hundreds of people and that look like that. And wearing a gas mask. Right. But there's hundreds of people that – oh, that's and, just and, the, the and, crazy and guy the on the subway. the subway system is only at 57 percent. I mean, uh, uh, what's going to happen? But he doesn't look out of the ordinary is my, my, my point. The, right. the uh, Mayor Adams needs to continue to clean up the homeless out of the subways so these guys do look like an outlier and someone says something. Joe, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. If you were advising the mayor and the police commissioner about what to do in the subways, what advice would you give? Well, right now I would go back to the days of when you just you know, showed up at, anonymously at train stations all across the, the city like we used to do, where you have the roving band of police officers in the cars would show up at a station, specifically, let's say, like a, like a big one, Times Square or something like that, and they flood the, the, they flood the subway with the cops. They keep everybody on their toes. I mean, it gets to a point where we also have to bring back deterrence, right? I mean, nobody's afraid of getting arrested anymore. And if you are arrested, there's a chance that you're going to be let out immediately. And even then, if you don't get arrested for something, you're going to be – there'll be no consequences of it. We have to get back to that kind of thing. Listen, there are some people that just want to take advantage of the weakness that they see in the criminal justice system, and they're doing just that. And what did you think about the so-called modifications 
to the so-called bail reform law? Well, if they don't give back the dangerousness standard, I, I think all that other stuff is just, uh, you know, fluff as far as I'm concerned. There needs to be some big changes uh, to this. So, I mean, how do you have uh, the possession of an illegal handgun go from a mandatory three years in prison to you're out in, you know, in a few hours with no bail? I mean, how do you how do you justify that? How do you justify committing a hate crime and, and getting, uh, you know, and just being able to leave? Uh, I, I, I hate these politicians in in Albany that don't have even the common sense ones that don't have the courage to stand up against uh, some of the uh, crazies we have around. Well, it's unfortunate because they, you know, they, they owned it and they, they doubled down on a lot of this. And a lot of the, you know, Carl Hasty and uh, Stuart Cousins, they're doubling and tripling down on these things. And now that you're going to try to, you know, it looks like they're just giving you a little bit of a crumb here just, just to appease people. And they think this is going to go away come election time. And so how much long-term harm do you think, how much long-term harm has come from the defund the police movement, that whole anti-police effort of two years ago, including a movement to keep the cops out of the subways? I mean, to me, this is having a lasting effect on morale and also on decisions that are being made. You're right, Congressman. You have a, I think you have a generational gap coming up here because so many cops that had a lot of experience uh, either retired or went to other police departments. And you can't replace that training you can't excuse me. You can't place that experience with training or hiring, a, you know, a whole lot of new people. It takes time to become a veteran police officer. And here is the problem when you're dealing with all of this surge in violence, where you have less experience. You know, you're, you're responding to riots all those years, and then the people who you know want to pick at the cops and say, well, "Look, you don't do this, you don't do that. Look at your clearance rates." Well, how do you expect them to close cases when you're out policing you know, riots and everything else that's going on? I mean, and your your, your caseload has doubled. Or, or what have you, or you know, whatever it may be. But hey, Joe, any chance they can get you back on the job? <laughs> <laughs> not, not a chance, Congressman. I enjoy what I'm doing now. <laughs> and Joe, just to put it in things in perspective, this guy Frank James, I looked at his YouTube channel. He was on social media. Now it's all been taken down. He has said some of the most hateful, disgusting, racist things, saying he wanted to kill human beings. He wasn't banned, but the president, former president of the United States, is still permanently banned off of YouTube. So that's the upside down kind of world we're living in right now. Well, it also shows you, too, about the digital footprints that people are leaving. So we didn't even hear about anything about IP addresses that were tied to any of those YouTube videos that are all part of the investigation. There are so many working parts here, surveillance cameras, all of the forensic technologies that they have out there regarding these kind of things, I think, are are playing front and center. And I think we're going to hear more about them as we go forward. Do you think it's possible he was responsible for getting those uh, cameras down at the subway station? I mean, that is just beyond egregious. No, I don't. I don't think so per se. Um, the issue that really comes down to is just that our subways are in, are in terrible repair. I mean, if you go down there, there's lots of lights that aren't working. They are dark and Escalators. dingy and dirty. Uh, you know, I'm, I just a couple of weeks ago, I on Twitter, I had to send out a, a notification to the MPA. There's <clears throat> there were um, needles on the staircases. I haven't seen that in 30 years. We need a cop on every platform. Yep, and a cop, a cop at every subway, and until we solve the problem, that's right. Well, I think that's bottom line. Otherwise, well, I would never send my kids into the subway, and I don't think you you guys would send the, your kids into the subway. A lot right of now. the victims were kids on their way to school. Yes, right. Well, how about the governor just give us the state police to to help back up all the different subway stations instead of having the you know the state police cars sitting at the the tunnels and the and the bridges? Why don't we just put them in the subways and see if we can just just put a cap on this because. One thing you have to fear about is a copycat, and you don't want to have that 
on top of what we're already dealing with. Well, thank you so much, Joe Jackalone. Again, you are a retired NYPD detective sergeant uh, for more than 20 years, and now you're a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Keep on telling the truth. Thank you, sir. Great job. Thank you. Have a great night. And when we come back, we will speak to intrepid investigative reporter John Solomon and Dr. Mark Siegel. We'll be right back. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. You know, I feel bad for Mayor Adams because he has been talking every, everything the right way. But his hands at this point are tied when the Albany legislators and even the governor kind of won't back up what he wants to do and bring this city back from the point of no return. What do you say, John Katsimatidis? All we want is the Albany people to keep eight and a half million people safe. How do you say it? You can't I, say it any other way. I advise the mayor to use his bully pulpit. Right. He needs to continue to say what he's saying. But get in their face. Right. He's more powerful than they are. Right. He is. He, he is, is more. Yeah. But he has the wind at his back. The press wants him to succeed. The people want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. He needs to keep pounding away at them. Uh, we got John Solomon with some breaking news. Right. He has some breaking news. Very interesting. Let's go to John Solomon. On the line with us right now is intrepid investigative reporter John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. I know you've got some latest breaking news for us. John Solomon. We do. The border is in big focus today. We had an interview with the um, head of the Border Patrol Union uh, who said that uh, Border Patrol agents are defeated. They feel they have no ability to protect the border anymore. They have a sense of defeatism that he hasn't seen in his 30-year career. While that's going on, uh, governor of uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott, pl- played his first big effort to embarrass the Biden administration. He bust a whole bunch of the illegal immigrants rounded up in uh, Texas, and he dropped them off at the door here in Washington, D.C. with great fanfare. A lot of people talking about that. Democrats are clearly worried about this border issue, too. You're now hearing for the first time some of the more progressive liberal Democrats saying, hey, Joe Biden, don't lift that Title 40T. Even that's a bridge too far for us. Two people who have said it in the last 24 hours, Beto O'Rourke, obviously running for uh, office in Texas. And then one of the leading uh, liberal candidates for uh, Wisconsin Senate up against Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes, both said this is a bad idea. But so far, President Biden isn't changing course. He's sticking to the Title 42 lifting, meaning in in May, here's the amazing thing, in May, Immigrants will have no health restrictions on them, but you and I are still going to be wearing those masks on planes because today the TSA extended that order for a couple more months. John, we all believe in immigration, but at least let's know who's coming and going. And I I understand one of our governor candidates up here in, in New York has been filming all these airplanes coming into Westchester Airport, Rob Astorino. I mean, and Unreal. And these... These resettlements is being funded by ORR, the Organization of uh, Refugee Resettlements, or whatever it right. is. And, and, and that's federal money going into it these is. resettlements, and you know who they're paying. And they're doing it in the middle of the night. None of the leaders, none of the constituents, anybody, because I live in Westchester County, no, nobody's been notified. So that clearly tells you, and Title 42, for people that don't know, basically was a Trump-era policy that, for at least for health reasons, people could not be let into the United States. If Title 42 goes away, that means everybody and their mother can come in regardless. I mean, this is just cuckoo craziness. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the projection that the uh, CPB just gave us, Customs Border Patrol Protection says it will probably be 18,000 illegal aliens a day crossing the border, a half million a month. That'll be the largest in history by almost 200%. Well, who's the one that said the other day, uh, John Solomon, that uh, uh, if, if President Biden gets what he wants, one out of four, one out of five Americans by the 2024 election will be uh, illegal aliens. Right, yeah. and you don't, and you don't need ID to vote. Yeah. And, and the voters in New York, can, they, can, they can vote for New York. Uh... <laughs> right, you just... I mean, you can't make this up anymore. No, you and can't. they still don't want ID. They said it's, uh, yeah, like no. they can't, I mean, I don't know. Our country is under attack. We John are, Solomon, yeah. what else is going on? I mean, I mean, this is crazy what's going on. It is indeed. Uh, now, you may remember, it wasn't that long ago when uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi ushered herself into power back in 2006 and seven by saying Republicans had to go because they suffered from a culture of corruption. That was in the shadows of the famous Jack Abramoff lobbying scandal. Well, how funny 15 years makes a difference. Today, there are more than a dozen uh, corruption cases, criminal cases against Democrats across this country, from New York to Nevada, from Illinois to Kentucky. Uh, the culture of corruption argument has been reversed on its head, and Nancy Pelosi may be ushered out of power by a culture of corruption reversal in her own party. We have a lot about that today. Remarkable number of cases. Obviously, New York lost its lieutenant governor yesterday who had to resign after being arrested. But in states all over this country, there are graft corruption and bribery cases against sitting Democrats in state legislatures and other places, a real big additional millstone around the Democratic Party's neck on top of rising crime, illegal immigration, rising gas prices and inflation. So uh, that story is trending. A lot of people talking about that today. John Solomon, Mark Zuckerberg, he basically, you know, they say the election was stolen. I say it was bought with Zuckbucks. Uh, now, is he going to be able to interfere anymore? What's the status on that? So there are nine states that have outlawed uh, private money going to election judges, but that means 41 are still willing to do so. During announcement yesterday, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, the group that dumped that $350 million of Zuckerbucks into the election, said, you know what? We're recalibrating. There's been too much controversy about this. We're not going to be putting out that large numbers of money to um to elections, we're only going to spend 80 million over the next five years, which is like a trickle compared to the 350 million. And we're not going to be sending it directly to the election judges. They're going to be doing some other innovation awards for unique ways to improve electoral counting. But the big flow of money has been shut off mostly because of the controversy. That's that was a big announcement yesterday by the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to uh, Larry Kudlow, and I was. Uh... Uh, and his buddy from Nashville uh, about inflation. And right. I, there's only one way to bring down inflation. You either lower the cost of uh, of fuel and the cost of oil, and it will lower all, all prices uh, across the board. Now, they have chosen yeah. to increase interest rates. The 30-year bond or 30-year uh, uh, mortgage rate is over 5%. That means it's going to kill the housing market and kill the real estate industry. That will be another industry that the, that the White House kills. I mean, isn't it easier just to open up the, the floodgates and let North America do oil? 
Yeah. Listen, that's what every smart economist is saying, what every smart political layer. I don't know if you saw Senator Joan Manchin, the moderate Democrat who's sort of the hero of the center these days. He said that this idea that Joe Biden can blame others for inflation is preposterous. It's Joe Biden's fault. He was too slow to react to it. And cutting off energy basically created this crisis. Everybody knows it. But this president is hostage to his far left environmental side of the party. And he's not going to budge. And I think we are headed into that rising interest rates with rising inflation. That is a thing we now know as stagflation. Jimmy Carter gave us the worst version of it. Some of the economists I'm talking with right now say Joe Biden might be able to do outdo Jimmy Carter with stagflation. Slow the economy down and cause inflation to go crazy. You even had Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, talking about that yes. uh, our window of opportunity to leave our planet worthy of our children and our grandchildren is even closer to being permanently shut. And we must de- redouble our efforts to decarbonize our economies. Uh, has she now been captured by this woke culture? That's what it seems like to me. <laughs> I think uh, uh, yeah, they should just stick to uh, monetary policy and get this country back on. It's such an obvious and simple solution, and we're going to make this one of the most complicated and I think one of the most dangerous times for middle class Americans in history. The working class and middle class are going to bear the brunt of everything that we're about to experience. And you saw today uh, producer prices went up to 11.2 percent year over year. Usually that's a leading indicator of where consumer prices will be two or three months from now. This inflation is getting worse. There's no sign of it abating. John Solomon, thank you so much for speaking out for the American people. We have to maintain our our country, our cities, and our states. Thank you so much, and God bless you, and God bless America. It's an honor. Thank you for having me on today. Definitely a lot of information there from John Solomon. Now, when you think Subway, you think safety. There is no one else that you can think of besides Curtis Sliwa. He's been all over this story. Curtis Sliwa, are people riding the subways? What is the latest? What do you know? Well, people are still in uh, fear. Uh, they're watching their backs uh, just because an arrest has been made has not calmed people down. Uh, in fact, I just got out of the subway. We're on the Lower East Side looking for one of the heroes of this arrest, a Syrian immigrant named Zach, who ironically was installing surveillance cameras when he saw the suspect. He called in the tip line. Uh, he may end up getting the $50,000 reward. I would suggest, John, that we give him the contract to put the security cameras in to the subway stations of New York City because his security cameras work. Curtis, uh, that, let's take a listen to that uh, Zach, the eyewitness who called police. My name is Zach. I was uh, working inside the store and I was doing security cameras inside. And I see the guy, he walking from the screen. I see him from the cameras. So I thought, oh, shit, this guy, let me call the police. And I call him and we catch him. Well, And I understand, uh, Tony Carbonetti, you said to me that the guy is claiming the reward himself because he turned himself well, in. <laughs> I, doesn't, isn't that how it works? He, he's going to say he turned himself in. He gets the 50000 <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what the— uh, Curtis, this is Pete King. What's the story as far as Rudy's show? Is, is Zach listening to Rudy or what happened there? We lost Curtis. Curtis. Curtis? Oh. The subway took him. Oh, did, oh, did, I, did I touch this? No, no, no you didn't do anything. Oh, no, we lost yesterday. Oh, Really? Oh, the phones maybe. aren't working in the subways now. Oh. The cameras don't work. The phones don't work. Nothing's working down there. So maybe we'll take a break and then we'll get Curtis back again. What do you guys want to do? 
You know what's funny to me is like you're not really seeing the mainstream media. I'm looking at CNN and I'm looking at New York One. Nobody's talking about the greatest threat now facing our democracy is white supremacy anymore. About the school board parents, right? No, they 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 don't want to discuss that. Also, let's go for a break and then we come back. We're going to come back with Dr. Mark Siegel or Curtis might call back too. Okay. Welcome back. Yep. We're back. John so who do we have on the line? Curtis Sliwa, what happened to you? I, we thought somebody got you. <laughs> it might have happened here in the Lower East Side. You got the homeless on one side, the drug dealers on the other side. But I'm looking for Zach, the hero installer of security cameras, who saw the suspect, called the tip line, and I think – he should be installing these security cameras because his work, he's installing them in delis all along 2nd <coughs> Avenue, and everyone is praising his work. So let's give him the contract so we have security uh, cameras working in the subways. Curtis, heard, this is Pete King. I heard you early, uh, earlier during the day talking about uh, that Zach or someone else had listened to uh, Rudy's show, and that's what prompted him to get involved when Rudy gave out the license plate number and the guy's name. One of our WABC listeners listening to Rudy yesterday during his 3 o'clock show, and the New York Times gave credit to Rudy and to WABC, uh, heard Rudy announce the full license plate number of the U-Haul van, the Arizona plate, and he then looked, he saw the van in front of him, immediately called the precinct, and that's how they were able to track down the van. Uh, I got it. Okay. See? Rudy Giuliani is like Batman in New York City. And, and New WABC, York WABC uh, gets the message out. That's right. WABC Number one show. All over this. Well, John, it's all a credit over. to you because you're all about breaking news. That's what makes us different than a podcast. There's nothing stale about any single show on this station. I understand that Mark, Dr. Mark Siegel wants to talk to us and he's on the other line. Of course I do. Always. I always want to talk to you because Lydia's right. There's not a single thing stale about you, the show, any of these people. Listen, uh, if, if Curtis gets in trouble, you'll take care of him? I would take care of him. What has he done? He's done so much for this city. I mean, I bet if Mayor Adams starts starts going out on the streets with his COVID, coughing on people, Curtis will come over to him and get him off the streets personally. Guaranteed. Curtis has an amazing immune system during the pandemic. Do you remember, Curtis, you were going around and helping people and at Penn Station, no less? Yeah, still do. And luckily, I've never gotten the COVID. So maybe it's my blood type or maybe it's my Polish constitution. I understand type zero blood, you can't get COVID. I haven't had it. Well, I have type O, yeah. Ask Dr. Siegel that question. Well, there is a difference. I, I, and there's, there's definitely some studies that show A-plus blood, you get more severe cases. <laughs> We're starting to look into that. There's people that don't catch COVID no matter what. But I, I, I didn't like the idea of the mayor saying he, was, he would go down to the subways even though he's still coughing. And, but his health people told him not to do it. And he didn't give enough of a shout-out, by the way. He was very quick to mention the booster, uh, which John Casamitidis has issues with. But he didn't mention the mayor that he's busy taking Paxlovid or some other drugs that actually have helped him, right? He should give a shout-out to that. Uh, Doctor, we just got some breaking news from the governor's office. They issued a new report on COVID in New York. 
Who can read this report? Congressman? Who are well, the percent positive is now 5.32%, the seven-day average, 435 uh, Dr. Siegel, at this point, I mean, I'm hearing about a lot of people getting COVID again, but they're asymptomatic or have no, you know, very little symptoms, maybe a runny exactly. nose, a sore throat. Exactly. So if you exactly, there's a lot of this BA2 subvariant, but if you have immunity from prior COVID, if you had Omicron, if you had the, the vaccine, if you had the booster, it's an upper respiratory <laughs> disease. You're getting a mild case and I got treatments to give you. So the CDC was right to go to severity and say, I'm only worried about people that are going into the hospital. They should have done that a long time ago, not waited until now. But then all these mandates are still floating around. Are you kidding me? Philadelphia with a mask mandate when there's only 300 people that got COVID over the last 24 hours and zero deaths and the masks don't even work that well? What's wrong with Philadelphia? The cheesesteaks are great, but that's about it. Uh, Dr. Siegel, I'm a mother and I have a five-year-old and I was reading another study that said Child case workers, mental health issue, officials, they're overwhelmed by the number of requests from parents saying that they need help for their kids. They're talking about the lockdown and the masks. What are you hearing in your practice? Exactly what you just said. The mental health issues are huge. I Five-year-olds were not supposed to learn remotely, especially if they're poor, because they don't even have all of the remote learning devices you need. I think the lack of socialization was huge. The lack of screening kids, the lack of nutrition, the lack of immunizations and, and mental and physical health, enormous problem. And we're going to be hearing about this for decades to come in our children. Closing schools, by the way, was never something that should have happened, because when, the, when COVID hit, we already at the very beginning got information from Europe and Australia that it was spread more if you kept kids out of school. What do kids do if they're out of school? They spread things. In school, you can actually have some structure to it. It was the worst, the worst decision. And of course, the the teachers unions loved it. We taught an entire generation to stay home and hide. We're going to pay for that for years. We used to call it the flu. Yes. For years, we're going to pay for this. And the mortality rate for kids is... Dr. Siegel, this is Pete King. My concern is that I think masks do work, et cetera, et cetera, but they've been so abused that when, if God forbid, another pandemic does come, people are going to say the hell with it. They really overplay the hand on this. And I think we're, a lot we're of, out of time. Oh, we're out, out of time. Mandates are something and, very rare. You're absolutely right, Pete King. Absolutely right. They abuse the privilege of being government on this. Absolutely. Dr. Siegel, Curtis, thank you. And Curtis Sliwa, thanks for reporting in. Uh, Congressman King, Chief Carbonetti, and uh, Judge Weinberg. Lydia, welcome back. You're going to save our city, John Katzmatidis. God bless America <laughs> and God bless New York.